face the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise, its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Welcome to Starfleet Boy, where we have a casual and informal discussion about our beloved series, Star Trek. You are listening to a previously recorded conversation. Yes, we're on another exciting episode of Starfleet Boy, and we're joined by a brand new member of the crew, and it's uh, Gary of Trekker Prize. Trekker Prize, say hello. Say hello. Hello, hello, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show. So good to be here. Uh, t- Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. It's, it's great to have you. This is a this is an interesting thing. Like three, you know, we've done this before with uh, Gul Scott, of course. I'm curious how many people we can get on. <laughs> A hangout and record it at the same time. I've seen some on YouTube that are like five or six uh, people. Um, <laughs> you just killed Captain Picard. I just killed Captain Picard. It's only the first two minutes. <laughs> All right, so Samaritan Snare. I'll go into a brief summary of the episode. What was that? Must be me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like your headset. It's pretty cool. Thank um, <clears throat> So the crew of the Enterprise encounter a uh, interesting alien race. Uh, uh, well, actually, before all that, uh, the Wesley's off to uh, Starbase something or other. I can't remember the name. I'm such a bad... 511. You, no, 515. 515. Very good. Starbase 515. <laughs> and... Um, He's going because uh, he's going to take some more uh, Starfleet examinations, and Captain Picard takes uh, the opportunity to go with him because he's very—he's being very mysterious about why. But we find out that it's uh, because he needs to undergo a procedure for his heart. Anyways, they're on their way, and then shortly after, we encounter an alien crew aboard a ship that's a bit <coughs> downtrodden. And so being, gr- being good Samaritans, as all Starfleet vessels are, uh, they offer uh, to render assistance. And um, more of that, every, every episode, you gotta, you gotta make that sound. Yes, sorry. It's like <laughs> the doctor always makes these sounds. Doctor, stop making these sounds. No more sounds. Uh, okay, sorry. Well, it's just distracting. You can make as many sounds as you want when I'm not doing the summary. Anyways, Jordy beams over to, to render assistance. Everyone thinks that the aliens are perfectly harmless, but then, uh, of course, no one listened to Counselor Troy who, or, or Worf, who both warn of danger. <laughs> and sure enough, the aliens decide they want to steal Jordy uh, and keep him as their engineer instead, so that they can always have repairs whenever they need them. <clears throat> The crew of the Enterprise have to find a clever way to rescue Jordy. And meanwhile, as a complication, uh, Captain Picard's procedure on Starbase 515 is not going well. And uh, they need the Enterprise to respond. So there's a lot of crazy stuff going on. 
they trick the they figure out a way to trick the aliens. They rescue Jordy. They head to Starbase five one five and the most expert person who Captain Picard was avoiding doing the surgery, Dr. Pulaski, happens to be the one, the only person that can save him, and she does. And there's an endearing little scene between them, and that's it. Pretty simple. Did I get the summary right, guys? Absolutely. That was the same episode I watched, yes. (laughs) That's good. We watched, so, Doctor, we watched this episode last week, if you recall. We were going to do the episode, but we recorded like three and then didn't get to this one so yeah all right so thoughts gentlemen what did you think i thought any, it sucked any thoughts? oh no <laughs> i i i mean those aliens were not interesting they were really boring uh they were the that whole plot with jordy getting kidnapped yeah at one point Worf says why don't we just go in there with our commando strike team and rescue him, and really nobody answered. Why not? I mean, I don't get it. Why didn't they just beam over or use the shuttlecraft or something and just take the stupid aliens by by force? I I, I don't get it. I, I, why I did it take the, so long? I didn't get the first part. Uh, why did they actually have to send Jordy alone? Good point. Why? Why? I think- the, you know, strength the in numbers, right? I mean, well, the impression that you know, it, imagine. See, it's like imagine you're like, I don't know. Let's let's use a real life example here. Imagine that you're driving along the road and you see a broken down bus and it's full of Canadians who are very very nice. We all know how nice Canadians are, right? And they seem very harmless and very friendly. But then all of a sudden, the Canadians kidnap you so that you can always make their bus go. Well, but you've been <laughs> traveling with a lot of people, so. <laughs> yeah, but but still, let, I mean, this is this is supposed to be a, a somewhat military organization. I I don't think they they send people. I mean, they don't send away teams of just one person. You know, no, at Why least two or three. Right, exactly. So they didn't know anything about these people, really. And like you said in the summary. Troy just came barging into the bridge like something's yeah, she was wrong. A little, you know, I'll and, say that. and they ignored her. What the hell? They, they well, ignored Worf as well. They was, uh, he they, was like all, all, all over the place. Like, wait, <laughs> there's something going on. We should raise shields or something. But and and what? It's like, oh no, we have to help. It's like, yeah. <laughs> there's right. a there's a funny YouTube video about how many times uh, Worf suggests something and it's uh, and it's not. <laughs> You know, it's true. It, they always he's getting denied yeah. all the time, <laughs> all the time. And I, now, unfortunately, I've seen that video, and now I pay attention to this, and it's true. Worf's always like, "We should do this," and then they're like, "Noted," or "No, thank you," or you know, "That's not what we're gonna do." But um, I, I guess, like, for me, the focus of this episode really, although the packleds, by the way, that's what they're called. I totally had forgotten their name during the summary. The packleds were like definitely a weaker storyline but the storyline that i really liked was the captain picard wesley storyline and so i i focused on that and so the episode kind of like it saved it saved the episode for me because of that but on, <laughs> what did you get? on balance how much of the episode was picard on the shuttlecraft with wesley which again uh, yeah it was cool i mean okay i'll say this the story that he tells of the nausicans 
Right, which we see later. Which we uh, see later. Here, let me bring in the Nausicaan yeah. here. Here's the Nausicaan there. Let me recreate <laughs> the scene. Picard! <laughs> sure! Like... It's the other... It's the other... <coughs> he stabs him through the back. Oh, I'm sorry. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then Picard's supposed to laugh. You <laughs> so, um... That was that was obviously a great scene, and Patrick Stewart really, you know, plays it pitch perfect. You know the way he delivers the story to Wesley, but everything else was just kind of like blah. Wesley's just there. I know you don't like me. I know you don't like kids. (laughs) Wesley, did you read that book I gave you? I mean, there was no spark to the dialogue really, except for that one part. Um. Well, from my point of view, uh, I was I was watching when I was watching the episode from the beginning. I actually actually had a similar experience once with my with my store manager. It's like seven or eight years ago. <laughs> we had to go to the capital city, and um, and um, we were like we're supposed to travel with someone. And I I was always afraid. I was like, what if I'm had to travel with him? By myself, <laughs> what the hell I'm going to talk with him? And, and while I was seeing Wesley, you know, struggling with um, the dialogues, and it's like, okay, what, what, what gonna, what he gonna talk with Captain Picard in in a shuttle for six hours? And then I felt the same when I was traveling with my manager to two or three hours in a car. So I, I totally understood that um, part from from him because I had the same situation. Yeah, from and, yeah, it's it's a relatable situation. Yeah. But would you have told your store manager, "I know you don't like me. I know you don't <laughs> like kids." No, I, I tried to no, make up some uh, conversation. I always talk with him, but um, in in this scene, I, I found Wesley a, went more into Captain Picard's personal life. Like, why do you have children? Why do you have family? Why don't you have um, you know relationships or something? So he was digging so much into Picard's personal life, which. Like you know, he's like a dancing boy, and then why he's you know interested so much about the captain of the ship. I think I think at this point, uh, Captain Picard is still very much uh, an enigma, enigmatic figure to the crew, and especially to Wesley. You know, he doesn't really uh, he doesn't really treat Wesley with with the familiarity that he treats uh, Commander Riker and the rest of the crew. Like, already we can see Captain Picard softening up to the rest of the crew. You know, he, he like, uh, in the next episode, uh, which, we, which we'll which be reviewing at some point, um, he, he even, like, has another... There's, there's going to be a scene where he, like, just kind of, like, breaks down and starts laughing, which is, you know, not something we would have seen in a season one Captain Picard, I don't think. And... <clears throat> But we're still not at the point, you know, uh, later seasons, Captain Picard, I think, opens up and softens even more. Um, and so I thought that I actually liked all this because, one, um, the, I think the writers did a good job because, you know, we all want to, like, relate to the coolest character in the scene. And obviously, Captain Picard's the coolest character. So Wesley comes across as pretty annoying with all his questions. And I think it's appropriate for, you know, to kind of help us relate to Captain Picard. We're like, why is this kid, you know, exactly mm-hmm. the reason why you were like, why is this kid um, asking so many questions? And he even, you know, flat out says, uh, you know, everybody knows that you don't like children. And Captain Picard's just a little bit like, yeah, I guess I did make that statement, you know, pretty clearly. And now he's having to 
sit for six hours in a shuttlecraft with a child. And he's like, he's not unfond of Wesley. He is fond of him. He, he probably sees Wesley as his responsibility in a way because Jack Crusher was a good friend of his. And he's, you know, and so it's like, you know, he's trying, he doesn't want to, also he doesn't want to break the, you know, uh, the barrier between captain and ensign, you know, he mm-hmm. wants to keep this like professionalism. So I thought it was pretty, pretty well played out. Um, although, again, because of the pack leads and that whole situation, you know, the episode's not the best it could be. Maybe this could have been a situation where, you, actually, which we do see later on, where like something, I, I think Wesley seems to shuttle Captain Picard on a lot of trips because if I recall correctly, yeah. they crash land on, on a planet in a yes. future season and, and, you know, lots of other uh, things like that. So um, <clears throat> I did also like that we got a, a glimpse into Captain Picard's past. And the one scene that he really opens up that really kind of um, stood out to me was when he does tell the story about the Nosigans and here's Wesley expecting him to be like, you know, he thinks because of the way Captain Picard is is currently, he thinks that in the Academy he was like, you know, always reading books and very serious and very studious and like, you know, not not what Captain Picard describes as a reckless youth. So it gives us like a glimpse into, you know, uh, a, a captain that is perhaps not as perfect as, uh, as everyone thought. As per- everyone thought, yeah, exactly. So I, I, you know, again, that that saved the episode for me. Uh, <laughs> I thought that the, I thought that the, um, the Pulaski wanting to do the procedure and Captain Picard um, not wanting to do it was a little bit funny, but very predictable. I totally knew when the procedure went wrong, that somehow Dr. Pulaski was going to be the one that needed to uh, uh, do the procedure. I don't know why, but like... I, if, I think it was so ironic in, in the whole situation. At the beginning, yeah. when they were talking about the whole process, and then, yeah, and she was just appearing <laughs> at the end of the, end of the episode. <laughs> what did you guys think of the Pac-Leds uh, visually? And, like, what do you think that the the show uh was trying to convey about these aliens like <laughs> was do you think do, were you misled by them i mean uh, upon this is a, for some of us this is like the second or third watching i don't know how many times you've seen this episode doctor or tracker prize i think i saw like two or three times two or three times so the fir- if you could recall the first time you saw it didn't you think that they were kind of just harmless uh innocent you know, kind of dumb. For me, dumb. they they they, were, they seem dumb. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and not just dumb, like just uh, small, innocent kids. They don't really like know simple. what to I do. I guess I should have. Or... Yeah. But you know, it begs the question: How are they there in the first place? I mean, Star Trek's a smart show, so the fact that this very, you know, like you said, you know, childlike, almost naive-sounding uh, species is uh, roaming around the, the, the universe in a, in, a, in a starship at all, and they don't understand how it works or anything like that, it begs the question, well, how are they there in the first place? So you do think, well, well maybe they're somewhat, it's some kind of an act, they're parasitic in some way. And, and Well, you know, from a, I guess from a purely uh, evolutionary standpoint, you know, we all evolve, uh, uh, all life, uh, tries to evolve traits that will 
help that life form survive. And so the pack leads over the, you know, it's kind of like, uh, I, li- I like uh, doing this, but remember in Doctor Who, um, the episode where the 11th Doctor uh, and, um, and uh, Amy, no, is it Amy or is it? Yeah, I think it's Amy. Yeah, the 11th, it is Amy. The 11th Doctor and Amy are trapped in that hotel. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and, and do you remember there was that one alien uh, whose race is known for surrendering to anyone who invades them? Indeed. You know, <laughs> so, so I argue that, you know, the Pakleds have evolved. Oh, look at that. The <laughs> crossover. Oh, that's really yeah. crossover, yes. <laughs> this has you happened, say- actually. This crossover has Hel- already happened. Hello, Captain Picard. How are you? I'm good, Doctor. <laughs> have you read that comic? <laughs> I, I started reading. I never finished it. And have you uh, Trekker Prize? Uh, no, I haven't got into it, to be honest. <laughs> really? Oh, you yeah. should check it out. Yeah, I will. I will. At one point, definitely. <laughs> it's better than well. this episode. <laughs> <laughs> so the Packlids, I think, evolved to be these kind of like innocuous, somewhat whimsical um, creatures. And did you know that they were based on Tweedledee and Tweedledum? Did you Tweedledum? call them whimsical? <laughs> I did call them whimsical. You've used, okay, you've used interesting, you've used whimsical. You're very impressed with the Packlet, sir. More impressed I'm than not impre- I'm not impressed at all. But whimsical I do think that and they, interesting. I mean. I, th- I do think the Packlets do present an interesting problem because uh, in Starfleet, you're, you know, the whole title of the episode, The Samaritan Snare, you know, it's like a really easy way to trick a Starfleet crew is to like pretend you're broken down. And I wonder how many times, like, why haven't the Klingons or the Romulans thought of this? Like, you know, like, <laughs> because they kill them, probably. <laughs> I mean, they just shoot them on sight. That's, That's true. <laughs> but I, I think that problem, the essential problem with the episode, I think, is it comes down to pacing. Um, you know, maybe there should have been there. What there should have there should have been more set on the shuttlecraft. Um, I think it would have been more interesting if there had been a little more tension for some reason, you know, between Picard and Wesley, and it would have been resolved by the time they get there. Um, and and the, the the issue with the Jordy getting kidnapped, you know, by the Packleds, and poor Jordy, he's always kidnapped. I mean, he's kidnapped in generations. <laughs> oh, that's true. That, the poster behind uh, Trucker Prize there by the Klingon, what is it, the Dura sisters, right? Yep. The, yeah. Yeah, the, uh, right, everybody always wants Jordy. Poor Jordy. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's. But they give him back so easily at the end. I mean, they just. Yeah. They just disassemble the um, body, the shields, and, and that's it. And they but they take the so long to do that. Yeah. It's so easy, <laughs> but they take so. I mean, it's. But it could have been resolved with just a couple of Worf's guys going over there. And kicking butt. I mean, not even kicking butt. They would have just been like, ooh, you know, because they're not, they're clearly not violent people. I mean, well, they were phasering Jordy a lot, so maybe they are a little violent. But they wouldn't have put up a fight. I, I think they should have just gone over. It would have given, you know, the Starfleet Rangers a little practice, and Worf would have been happy. And, you know, it would have been over in, in, in minutes. And not, not just that. Even even the Enterprise is a much powerful ship compared to that uh, ship what the Packlets has, and and um, with a phase modulated uh, phaser yeah. uh, shot 
just you just know, disassemble boom. the shields and that's it. Right, and yeah. This well, is I the Enterprise D for crying out loud. <laughs> exactly, the, the jewel of the Starfleet. I think that they threat. I think that the problem was is that like they they were threatening that if they attacked, they would actually just kill Jordy, and so the crew had to kind of take that seriously, you know. But well, which is why Worf was saying, you know, let's go over there and kick some butt. And nobody, this- Riker had no answer for him. Riker just ignored him. He didn't even say always no. Always ignoring. <laughs> always ignoring Worf, man, and Troy. I have to admit, Troy was right. I mean, Troy sensed. I mean, she just burst on the bridge. I mean, she's sensing, like, you know, everybody in the ship and all this stuff. And suddenly she's like, there are spiders and it's just like booming. And she just bursts on the bridge. And she's like, you know, uh, what's going on? You know, so it was it was enough <laughs> to shock her into into coming on the bridge and, and, uh, and saying something. I don't know why Riker ignored her. I don't think Riker is fit for command of his own ship yet. <laughs> I think that's the well, real... It takes him seven years. Seven to, years. To, no, to not even seven. Fifteen. <laughs> that's, <laughs> right. that's right. Because that's right. You remember it was in Nemesis when actually he got the promotion. That's right. Right. That's right. right. Yeah, well, Riker's been not offered, fit for command yet, man. He's been offered promotions. He just hasn't hasn't taken them. He. But you're right. I think he didn't think himself ready until fifteen years later. Now um, the poker game. Is there a poker game in this? Or is that another episode? I, no, I think that's another. should be another one. Oh, crap. Yeah. Okay, never mind. <laughs> there should have been a poker game in this episode. <laughs> that that would have made this a lot better. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what did you think of the medical facilities on um, on the Starbase? I thought they were a little creepy and scary. Uh, <laughs> It's like yeah. they're wearing these like red, scary red suits. And then, you know, these like with the... I don't know. I don't. I didn't think that future surgery looked very, uh, very comforting. I thought it would be more like, you know, sweatpants. Like, what's that? Sweatpants. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I thought it would have been sweatpants. Space spacesuits in the operation rooms. Like, <laughs> get a surgery done. <laughs> it looked like it's something out true. of a Cronenberg movie. It was. Uh, the, it the did actually have weird and, um, and and. and I guess I just hate this episode. Even those scenes were lacked any spark. I mean, like when Picard's kind of dying. Like I, I guess in my head, I'm comparing it to the Eighth Doctor movie when the Seventh Doctor is is dying on the hospital bed, oh, yes. and it the music cranks up, and you know people are like, "Oh my gosh!" and there's like a flurry of activity. And here it's just sort of like they're all standing around Picard, and they're very blah about it. I mean, they're just. And not just right. that, the, the doctor who uh, actually proceeded with the operation, uh, at the beginning he said, slow, we will be home at dinner. And then <laughs> suddenly a complication came, and, and oh, I'm, not qualified to, I'm not qualified to do this operation. It's like, oh, well, what the hell are you doing there then? <laughs> what are you doing in the first place? <laughs> yes, he's only qualified to a certain degree. Yeah. It's like, yeah. So <laughs> I, I can fix it, but if there's a problem, well, I have, you have to call someone else. It's, that, that's not going to work. That's a really good... That's a really good point. Is he a stand-in uh, doctor? Is, is, he's is, just like... I don't get clearly, it. If, clearly, he's more concerned with his dinner than he is uh, <laughs> with, with heart surgery. Um, well, I mean... Uh, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Like, 
Well, according to Wikipedia, we're not alone. Uh, the initial reception of this episode was pretty poor. Um, also, and I think the doctor is going to the book. You're so right, sir. <laughs> the famous book here. Um, but I'll just read here. It says, uh, uh, Dennis Putman Bailey and David Bischoff disliked the first five minutes of Samaritan Snare so much that they were inspired to pitch their own story for the next generation. This eventually became the episode Tin Man uh, in season three, which is a really good episode. They said that the opening was hokey and also felt that several of the plot elements were stupid, such as sending Picard to a starbase where there were no doctors qualified to perform the surgery. <laughs> they also criticized Troy's remarks about LaForge being in danger as she was completely ignored. So everything we, it's very obvious the flaws and I'm, I am surprised that the writers of the time thought we could get away with this, but as the doctor will remind us, this was the season where the writer's strike was going on, right? <clears throat> Doctor? Yes, this was the season that the writer's strike was going on. Oh, so that's an interesting yeah, fact. I didn't know that. <clears throat> yeah, so there was a writer's strike going on, I think, at the end of season one, and it continued into season two, if I'm not mistaken. And it did affect, it did affect the show, as you can see these uh, episodes like this. But also, um, do we as an audience, I think, at the time, you know, with a season that had like 23 or 24 episodes typically – Audiences were, were were taught or trained to to expect filler episodes, episodes that were more. The hope was that you would learn more about the characters, and not much else was going on in terms of like you know uh, exciting things or space battles uh, or anything like that. And you know, and nowadays we don't have this anymore, really, because like there aren't really filler episodes of Game of Thrones or you know. Episode of shows that we watch today. I think that's kind of a thing that's gone. But I, I miss the uh, exposition-heavy episodes like this one because, again, even though it was a, a, a poor episode uh, overall, the one jewel from this is the that little conversation, for me, uh, between Wesley and uh, Captain Picard. I thought that was like... I remember being delighted by that when I was a kid, and obviously, since we know uh, the later episode with the Q uh, comes along, it's, it, it pays off because you're like, oh, that, in that stupid episode with the Packleds, Captain Picard talks about this, and now we're getting to see it, you know? Mm-hmm. And not just that, I remember when um, they actually were closing to the uh, space station, and, you know, Picard asking Wesley about the book, and Picard just stands there so seriously and he looks like, oh, you have to be open-minded for philosophy, for literature, for history. Um, it just reminded me how much I loved, well, still, I still love the show, of course, but how much I loved back then um, and it just engaged me to, to learn more and, and just, you know, go into deeper to studying and it, it saved me from a couple of things back then, so it, it was, in, in, in a certain way, it was really good to see um, this this little scene as well, not just not just typically the um, conversation between him and Wesley, but this little spark at the end of the conversation. That's abs- absolutely true, and and you know I think it's something very relevant today here in the United States. We're seeing education being cut back so much. I mm. mean, like you know, arts are the arts are already being cut out of most schools, and Whoa. and now they're talking about uh, uh, literature being cut out, you know, and just uh, the focus is all on testing. And you can see, uh, like, this that little 
snippet of conversation very important and relevant even today. And I think it's it was a warning in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it was more like a warning back then. And now it's like, oh, crap, like, yeah, now it's happened. And it's good to see this, um, this and and it's good that you caught on to that. And also, I'm sure there's like a ton of fans. uh, Star Trek has had that impact on lots of people where it's like you realize, well, you know, studying and like learning about cultures and being open-minded and all these things are going to lead to a more enriching life in general for yourself personally, but also for everyone that you come in contact with. So I totally agree. That's a great point. That's a, yeah, that's a, I agree. It's a very astute observation. And as somebody who's working in the school system, I can tell you that, that, uh, you know, one of the things that stood out to me is, is the fact that, you know, Wesley's been through like three rounds of testing already uh, to get into this damn academy, and um, you know, test over testing is is a is a is a subject that's being debated about right now. And and actually, Sal, I haven't told you this, but uh, they they surplused. I don't think I've told you they surplused our media specialist. Oh yeah, I did hear about this news, and that's and yeah, that's so, exactly. It's like which means to explain it, that means that they they got rid of the librarian at the high school that I work at. So we effectively have a library with no librarian. I'm there, so I'm running it, but I'm not a librarian. I happen to have the experience, but at other schools across our county, they're just shutting down the libraries and they're turning them into testing centers. Uh, so they throw the books out and they just throw in a bunch of computers. And uh, it's a very, very scary thought. So you don't have a place to find, uh, I forget who, who the philosopher is that Picard is referring to in the episode. Do you remember? Is it Voltaire or? I can't remember. Oh, I don't but, think he refers to anyone actually. Oh no. Okay. In well, whatever, whatever book Wesley he was instructing Wesley to read, there would there is there will that would not exist in in a high school according to some of the people running right. our county here locally. So I mean that is something that we have to look out for. And uh, this is something that you know. This is something that's been going on for... It's not just a recent thing. It's been going on for a very, very long yeah. time yeah. Uh, here in the United States. And, you know, it's very evident. Um, and I think Britain faces some of these challenges as well. It's very evident that the leaders that were producing, you know, or the potential leaders like uh, a certain presidential candidate here in the United States are people that could have used more exposure to other cultures <laughs> And, you know, Certainly. you know, literature and things like that. And I'm not trying to say that, uh, you know, uh, that candidate isn't intelligent, uh, but I intelligence would. has. To <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, some people argue that he's uh, amassed this like uh, billion dollar empire. And so there's some kind of intelligence. Maybe he's a, in, he's, you know, a genius at manipulation or whatever. But anyways, any intelligence that is not tempered with. Um, culture and art and, and you compassion know, and compassion is a uh, is a uh, uh, a negative uh, impact has a negative impact on society and we're seeing that uh, definitely today. They used to um, compare him to Quark, but I think it's a misconception. <laughs> He's more brunt, actually. Yeah, you're <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's unfair to compare him to Quark. Quark's I, a nice, I think nicer he's, guy. Quark, I think Quark he's the has grand really, uh, big compassion <laughs> at, at even a sense of um, humanity in in his um, personality yeah. at the end of the show. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think he's more like the Grand Nagus. 
Nah. No, has, even the Grand yeah, Nagus. Not even Zaki. Uh, Zach, Zach is a good Grand Nagus. He wouldn't do anything <laughs> like that. <laughs> but Brunt, definitely. I, I could totally imagine Brunt being, being him. I, I, I agree. I concur. I want to quote now from the our, our favorite tome here, Star Trek Ooh. Companion. And uh, apparently... Um, this episode uh, was to have been the first appearance of the captain's yacht. Oh, that would have been amazing. That would have been amazing, yes. So, do you know about the captain's yacht? It looks like, like a saucer, a uh, saucer, flying yeah, it's, saucer. It's, underneath, <laughs> it's, it's that little cool part underneath the uh, saucer section. Yeah. It's it always just... been hinted at uh, throughout <laughs> the next generation, and they always wanted to do it, and... Um, uh, to quote the book, uh, for this episode, the art staff almost got a chance to bring to life the designed but as yet unbuilt captain's yacht, but budget constraints led to use instead the use instead of an executive shuttle for Picard and Wesley's trip. A rare slip-up. Wesley tells the control booth that he is departing shuttle bay 2 in shuttle number 2 when he's actually in shuttle number one in shuttle bay three as indicated on the bay floor oh nice continuity catch there and uh, apparently the apocalypse uh appeared on uh, deep space nine in yep. the background yeah that's true and that's the only other appearance uh they have made as of the writing of this book and um the now this is the thing I don't know. The character named Greb Grebnadog Grebnadlog. Is that one of the Paclets? So they yeah, they're named after I think the Paclets names are the the names of the creators of them or the writers backwards. Okay, well that particular Paclet was played by the actor Christopher Collins who uh, older fans would recognize as being uh, one of the three Klingons from the original series. Oh, very nice, very nice. So uh, that's all I have for Samaritan Snare from... So what about the packet called Reginald? <laughs> oh. <laughs> that was the engineering called Reginald. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and in engineering, we had another appearance by uh, what's her name, the cute one, uh, Gomez. Oh, Henson, uh, or is it Lieutenant Gomez? Lieutenant or Gomez, Gomez, yes. Yes. She. I think this is it, though. I think she disappears after this. Why? By the way, there's a Pac-Led name generator. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's see if this thing loads. <laughs> That's great. Someone's wasted their time <laughs> with that. That's fantastic. It's a fantasynamegenerators.com, and I think this is a trick. I think this is a Samaritan snare on the internet. Uh -oh. I'm going to get a virus. I think I'm going to get a Careful. virus Careful. It could be a phishing scam. Yeah. Uh, what did I, you all guys think of uh, the scene where uh, Riker is playing his, his bluff and Worf is... Uh, telling Jordy, you know, he, he he's doing his version of the bluff, 
but it just comes off as so uh, I mean it's just obvious that Worf is acting that he's not speaking naturally I mean <laughs> oh that whole I thought it was reminiscent of the how you know in Star Trek um, there's been scenes the most famous of which in Star Trek 2 where the crew speaking in a coded message you know um, yeah but this was like really bad <laughs> The crimson, what was that thing called? The crimson, uh, the crimson, uh, the crimson cloud. It was just a cloud, right? It was, but they called it something to make it sound scary to the pack leads, and I can't remember. (laughs) Oh, yeah, the crimson, yeah, the crimson cloud. That was it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) it was just silly. Don't you think it would have been more exciting to have had Worf beam over with his with his guys and just kick some butt? (laughs) I, I thought I thought you're absolutely correct. So the Packload ship, let's talk about that for a second since there's not much else to talk about <laughs> in the episode. I'm going to pull up a picture of it here. Uh, let's see. Interesting design here. And I think it's available with this, um, you know, with that... Uh, uh, Eagle Moss selection? Eagle Moss selection, mm. yeah. So let me see here. Let's pull a picture up from the from the episode first. Okay, I'm going to try to do the screen share thing. I and believe in let's you. Let's see. <laughs> Hold on. Uh, application window. There we go. Perfect. And share. And present to everyone. Okay, so here's the the Packled ship, and I believe this is the remastered version of it so it's a little bit yeah. more detailed i like that shot mm-hmm. of the ship roll up close to the to the saucer like that you don't get many shots like that on the show i don't think really yeah definitely yeah. it definitely shows you the scale of the ship this might actually not even be fr- was this in the episode or is this like just a i think I'm, yeah, i think it's new i think this is something a fan might have done no no that's tell. in the episode but i think oh, it, it is was in done the I don't think that was in the original episode. Oh, you're right. You're probably right. That's probably... I mean, I could be wrong, but... Do you remember seeing this episode originally? Do either of you remember seeing this? Uh, I do. I do remember it. And actually, at the time, um, again, it was very unremarkable. And it... it, I, I, I don't remember, like, being very excited about it the first time I saw it. Um, And it was more like... A point of interest that, um, you know, Captain Picard, the conversation between Captain Picard and Wesley was my only takeaway. When I saw this episode again, I had completely forgotten the Packleds at all. Mm-hmm. I just thought, I was like, oh, this is the episode where Captain Picard gets his heart surgery. And I had completely forgotten about the Packleds. So when I saw it again this time, I was like, oh, this is also the Packled episode. So I had somehow separated the two in my mind. <laughs> No, I, I totally agree as well. I mean, this this is mainly focused on um, the point. What I actually can see from this episode is mainly about uh, Captain Picard and Wesley. It's not, the backlights are just like you know filling up the gaps between the monologues, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> right there, yeah. That's very true. Here's the. Uh, let's see if I can pull this up here. Here's the. Uh, oh, this is terrible. Hold on. Oh, you guys hear that? Do you guys hear that sound? That Starfleet no. headquarters is having problems with our 
with our um, elevator. <laughs> <laughs> the turbo lift. <laughs> the turbo lift. Anyways, um, I guess uh, I guess we can uh, give this episode our our official rating at this point, and it's on a one to ten scale uh, trucker prize. So I'll go first, and I give this episode a four point four point five stars. <clears throat> Not very generous. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling the doctor's score will be lower. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. Your guess would be correct. Oh There's boy. the Packlets. Hoping hoping for a good score, Doctor. <laughs> wow. Be, be, be careful. They want to be strong. <laughs> my, my score was higher strong. until you showed me that picture. And now oh, no. it's all rushing back to me just how terrible it is. Look at you know, they, they look so frightened about Jordy. <laughs> yeah. You know, even the, um, even the costume design of the Packlets was boring and dull. And everything was just really dull about the, that race. Um, the the slowness of their speech just made them sound like, you know, they were, they were just, I don't know, like giant kids, cows or yeah, or <laughs> I was thinking like cows or something because I mean, they're big and, you know, I mean, it's just sort of slow. But don't, don't you think that don't you think that the move. that kind of maybe whether it <laughs> whether it was intentional <laughs> Whether it was intentional or not, don't you think that presents like an interesting concept though? It's like don't underestimate someone just because they seem less technologically um and and less even just less developed than you. It would they have might worked co- if if it had actually been a situation that they couldn't have gotten out like it really would have been a situation that challenged them. But really it just seemed that the most obvious choices to be made were not made. And you know, Riker didn't listen to warnings, so the it's just invalid that argument. I mean, people. Yeah, I guess I mean, Worf true. and Troy were like, "Ah, oh, guys, something a little fishy about this," <laughs> and Riker was just like, oh. "So maybe because they, they seem too like childish and and too like innocent. Like, okay, I'm not gonna afraid, not gonna be afraid to send the main engineering from the ship to help them out or something. But then." Maybe they've been evolved at one point, and then they sort of evolved and the other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. This is their. Uh, that was my uh, kind of point earlier, which is like they've evolved to come across as completely innocuous and helpless. Um, however, they aren't very intelligent. That being said, they aren't very intelligent because you're, you're right. You were the crew were able to trick them quite easily with with a, with a very simple uh, ruse. So, yeah, I, I guess you're right. My argument is a little invalid in this situation. And actually, <laughs> no, um, why did Jordy not send, like, one of his lower ranking... Like, why did Jordy have to go? I think the episode would have been actually stronger if it was Lieutenant Gomez on the other side. And now you have Jordy trying to come up with a solution to save her because we've seen him invested in it. Look at that. We just rewrote the episode and it already and got it's already, it's already better. <laughs> like, it's already been raised a notch. You have this character that you've already introduced and you, and you know, you're kind of setting it, setting it up for something. Right. And wouldn't it have been great if she was the one who went over? You're right. It was a totally routine 
kind of thing. And as uh, Trekker Prize said earlier, why would you send your a just one person, and why would you send your main engineer? It's true. Very and, good. And, very and good also, points. you know, Jordy with his visor. My understanding is that Jordy, you know, I mean, he can see. I mean, obviously, he's seeing in a different. You know, he he can see you know biorhythmic things going on. So if someone's lying, you know, their heart rate, you know, quickens and all this stuff. He didn't see any biological evidence that these things were bluffing. I mean, I just I just thought that was. It was kind of well, odd they, as well. They do have different physiologies from what he's used to. I mean, I don't That's I think true. it's the fir- first time they've encountered a pack lead. So, yeah, how would you know? It's not just that. Yeah. I mean, at the at one point he actually <laughs> mentions that a lot of technology the packlets stole from different ships like from Romulans, right, Klingons right. and it's like if I'm on a ship and I can see some, you know, multiple elements from multiple ships, I I'm I kind of start to think like What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> Come on, there, there's, right. there's something wrong here. I mean, why they have a lot of different right. parts Clint. from a lot of different ships together in one Good place point. and they don't seem to work. Great point. You yeah, know, it's it like, just especially sh- yeah. Klingons and Romulans don't just give up their technology freely. It just goes to show that, you know, without Picard, that ship is just a, a complete total wreck. <laughs> I mean, that would never have happened if Picard had been there. Uh, I give this episode a two. Oh wow! All right. And that, and I give it a two only because of the two-minute conversation <laughs> where he tells us sort of the Nausicaan. I think it's two minutes. So awesome! Your turn. <laughs> wow, you're gonna you, both of you are gonna hate me, but I think I will give it a five. It's just what? because. <laughs> no, hear me out. <laughs> it's, we're we're it's, listening. We're listening. It's, it's because. Um, if it's a one to ten, half of them was the episode was good, and the other half is not. So I think it's fair to give it a, half, a five from my side. Uh, I really enjoyed the conversation between Picard and Wesley, and as I said, it was quite relevant for me because I had the same situation. But the packlet part was a bit um, well tricky, let's say. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I would I would still give a five, a strong five, five. just because I like um, the conversation between Picard and Wesley. Finally, someone who's oh. more loving of Star Trek The Next Generation than okay. myself. I, I have to revise mine. I want to revise mine down to a he one. He wants to weigh it down. He wants to, weigh, to go lower. He wants to weigh down your score. He's like, I must bring balance to the... I must bring balance to Bring the, mine's down to, to a the, one. It's a one. If his is a five, mine is a one. So 4.5, 5, and 1. That's fantastic. <laughs> So let's, uh, I think, uh, before we wrap up this episode, even though, well, let's talk about this for a second. Should we do a special episode, guys, on all the Star Trek news that's happening? Or do you guys want to tack it on to this episode? I'm happy to continue. <laughs> we can continue. Yeah. All right. So there's a lot of Star Trek news, Doctor. You, you, you seem to be up on it. So let's hear some of the things that are going on. Uh, well, Brian Fuller was announced that he is basically just pulling back from uh, working on the show as a producer. He'll be an executive producer. Uh, Rather, he was he was slated to be the showrunner. He was, was right. Yeah. He the showrunner, correct. Right, uh, which is a big deal. Right, but now he's just going to be an executive producer. Apparently he's working, well, obviously he's working on finishing up American Gods, uh, which is an adaption of the Neil Gaiman novel, which I'm really looking forward to. And uh, he's working on a reboot of Amazing Stories. 
Yeah, I heard. I saw that. I mean, priorities, people. Star Trek, amazing <laughs> stories. Uh, I don't know. I thought I thought that was kind of shocking uh, that he would. But I mean, at least I, he's I not leaving totally. I mean, he will be still, you know, in the back and as an executive producer. So. Right, but it's a le- it's it's less day to day. He's not going to be involved yeah. in the day to day. Yeah, and, that's true. And I just don't understand if if you have to choose between amazing stories and Star Trek, and not just any Star Trek, but the first Star Trek we've had <laughs> in a good long time, I, yeah. I, I don't see why you would choose I, to... I'm going to be a conspiracy theorist here for a second, or just, like, I'm going to look past all this, Uh-oh. like, uh, and say that I think that there was something rotten in the state of Denmark. I mean... First of all, the test footage that was released wasn't very impressive. The initial promise of a January release didn't seem realistic. Like, it didn't real- seem realistic to a f- like me. I don't know anything about producing uh, television shows. But when I saw that there were no casts announced, there were no, you know, there was only a showrunner and things like that, like, just things didn't add up to me. And now, and then it was going to be delayed. And now, hearing this uh, news about Brian Fuller stepping down, you know, while uh, you know to to focus on these other projects, while it's a it's a valid reason, I think there's something more behind it. I think that like I don't think that the uh, show was coming together the way CBS probably thought. Maybe um, they tested, you know, the idea or the concept on you know on uh, segments of the uh, potential audience and it wasn't well received so i think there's some shakeups happening on the on you know behind the scenes that maybe one day will be declassified and we'll hear about but it just all seems a little too uh too unorganized and it doesn't i mean at this point we should have something I would think we would have a trailer by now, or, or at least you know, a teaser a, or something. A teaser, a cast announcement. Informations, yes. <laughs> you know, like something to keep at audiences' appetites uh, wetted by this. And all we have is a bunch of rumors and bad news because it's just been delay after delay after delay. So that's the kind of impression that I have from all this. And not just that. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm pretty sure you do um, remember after the the feedback from the fans after the. Um, test footage from the ship and I heard rumors as they're going to actually redesign the ship or so thank goodness <laughs> I thought uh, Brian Fuller's tweet about this is funny Riker spent seven years of TNG unready for captaincy Gretchen Berg and Aaron Harberts are ready thrilled to see them in command of the bridge so he made a gracious uh, announcement of his stepping down. Brian Fuller himself is a is kind of an eccentric and interesting character, and I was very excited about him being the showrunner, but it just, it's, you know, I hope Nicholas Mayer stays on. Like, I hope the next announcement isn't that Nicholas Mayer is leaving the project, you know? Or even I mean, the five um, special, like Scott Bakula, Brent Spiner, and the others from different shows. William Shatner, right. for instance. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, um, I think it's a shame Brian Fuller's not there. He he worked on the show Pushing Daisies, which is one of the best shows, one of the best shows I've ever seen. It was very inventive, um, very unique show. I I didn't see Hannibal, um, but I've heard a lot of people were very into it, and it was certainly one of the more successful version, you know, iterations of that story, and. Um, 
and he, you know he of course he worked on Deep Space Nine, uh, so he he's he's definitely somebody who knows how to work in a in the long form format of you know telling a television story. So I think it's a shame that he's gone, and uh, the person that's now been introduced to sort of um, help with the show, uh, Variety, the the trade magazine is reporting that uh, Akiva Goldsman, who previously worked with um, Alex Kurtzman, who's already working on Discovery, they both worked on Fringe. Um, he's going to be running. He's going to be uh, Goldsman is going to be working as a producer. On that show. Oh, cool. Fringe was the show with Leonard Demoy on it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it was. Cool. And um, Akiva Goldsman has worked on. I'm going to tell you right now. He, as I said, he mentioned he worked on on Fringe, which you know, I mean, it, it was it was an entertaining show. Um, but he's been a well, producer. He. He wrote A Beautiful Mind and The Da Vinci Code and iRobot, and um, he produced I Am Legend. Those are, like, the top build things that come up on IMDb. Right, right. Those are so, pretty big, solid names, pretty, uh, yeah. titles, yeah. Right, I mean, he's, I think he's most, yeah. So um, he also wrote Batman and Robin. Oh, no. <laughs> and Batman Forever. <laughs> Okay. Uh, so you know, there's good and bad there. Um, he's not I kind of like Batman and Robin. Oh no! Hate me. <laughs> <laughs> don't hate me. <laughs> we we don't hate you. <laughs> well, maybe the doctor. Oh, he just took off his headphones. Oh wait, 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 wait! That was something wrong with the communication. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that that was alternate dimension, doctor. <laughs> He is the executive producer on the Dark Tower series. That's Are you okay, out. Doctor? I'm <laughs> um, recovering. Okay. Recovering. <laughs> I've never heard those words uttered uh, <laughs> out loud, to be honest. Uh, um, but my concern is just that this guy has already got so much on his plate. How much time is he really going to have for Star Trek? I mean, he's. if you look at everything he's working on right now, he's constantly doing five things at once and I feel it's going to be another J.J. Abrams uh, at best he'll devote one season of like semi-focus and then he moves on to something else uh, I mean you know not to go off on a rant on J.J. Abrams but you know the first couple of seasons of Alias showed his focus and then he moved on to something else and then lost and then he was focused and then he moved on and you know um, I want. I would have liked to have had someone who was passionate and loved Star Trek, which Fuller was, and I'm. Um, I'm just really. Uh, I don't know. I'm really. I'm. I'm sad to hear that that uh, that he has departed the project. Yeah, I'm just really worried about Star Trek Discovery in general. Um, I already was holding my breath to see what was happening. Now I'm like, just kind of like, oh no, like what's going to happen? Like it, it doesn't seem like there's good news ahead. Um, so yeah, we'll wait and see, and and hopefully there will be some good news, some like really amazing news. I mean, like it would be amazing. Give the show to Jonathan frickin' Frakes. <laughs> No, I'm serious. Maybe so, number you know, one. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> put you. someone. 
I think Jonathan Frakes, you know, might not have the experience of being a showrunner, but he definitely has the love of Star Trek and, you know, just put it in the hands of someone that would, I think, give fans confidence that, you know, some a product that will be a great product will come out. And then also, I strongly hope that they're reworking the show and maybe the hope that I've always had that the show will take place in the future in the Trek universe, not in the past, you know, and so... Who knows? Like, this might be a good thing. We'll see. How do you feel about that Trekker Prize? About the fact that it sat before... Ten years before, ten years before instead of going forward to the next next generation. Well, well, at the beginning I was, like, um, a bit skeptical. Why do we need to go back? Because uh, nowadays, uh, this is my opinion, of course, um, there, and the, the, everyone loves TOS, the original series. That's the number one Star Trek for everyone, I'm pretty sure, at least. And then, in the last couple of years, since the J.J. movies came out, everyone focusing on the original series era, original series TNG, but mainly on original series, you know, the Beyond, Into Darkness, and then remastering the original series and give the second movie uh, 4K, 8K, and HD, and full HD, and I don't know how many versions they actually produced after one movie. And um, this is going to be just before Kirk, so basically we're going backwards again, and it's just a bit, um, I think it's a bit overused, that era, now, mm-hmm. over-focused, not overused, over-focused. Mm-hmm. I, w- I, would, I, would, uh, I would totally, I'm totally agree on the fact that uh, we should go forward and see what happened after Voyager uh, came home, or what, where's Cisco gone, or I don't know what happened with the crew of the Enterprise, or what, what happened with uh, Captain Riker and the Titan. Just see these sort of things, or, or introduce something else in, in the future, because there's, there's plenty of time between now and the 31st century, what we Absolutely. actually saw in Enterprise. Absolutely. Of course, there's a, there's a big space uh, between um, the undiscovered country and the encounter of five, far, uh, far Yeah, point. there's 80, so 80 there's, years. Yeah, so yeah. there's still stories to tell. Um, but... But that's what I was hoping is I thought it was going to be set in if you're going to go in the past, that's a great era to explore because it's it's undiscovered. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like there's there's a lot. Well, you know, we and we know certain things like the Enterprise C. We know the story of the Enterprise B. We know the story of the Enterprise C. But there's enough there to to do things with. And it would have been great because you have these wonderful um, actors like George Takei who are still alive. And if the series was set in the tr- proper time period, you could have Admiral Sulu as a part of the, the yeah, show. Even, even, even you with know. the ent- Excelsior as well. So right. just, you know, he's still piloting the Excelsior. <laughs> oh, my. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, like, I, I think some of the fan... Uh, I go back to this where... Um, the fan-produced Star Trek um, concepts seem a lot more exciting, even the ones that have low production value, than what the initial, you know, kind of um, nuggets that they released about Discovery are. Like, I thought, you know, this whole controversy with uh, Star Trek Axanar, I'm like, let them make the frickin' show. <laughs> like, you know, or, or you know, join forces and, and, and create an Axanar you know, uh, show that 
Axanar type show that's set in the Star Trek universe. Um, or, you know, I, I saw this one with uh, Nichelle Nichols. What was that one? Renegades, I think it's called. Yeah, or something, Renegades. You know? Renegades. Again, it's a again, Team like, production. Yeah, again, it's like, you know, although the production value in that one didn't appeal to me, the fact that they were able to to get this talent together. I mean, and you know, these are these are actors that are really still uh, they still have a lot of great performances in them. They know these characters intimately. And while the prime universe, uh, you know, while the JJ, uh, the, the Kelvin universe is is great and shiny and interesting, I really wouldn't. I I would really be more interested in seeing the evolution of these characters as they get older and like you know have adventures with them uh, than I would to go back and you know to an alternate universe. So yeah, or or yeah. even I don't know if you two guys watch the um, Star Trek Continues. Yeah, I that's, started that's watching really a, a really good. Bit, yeah. Honestly, yeah. I I couldn't recommend enough for anyone. It's. The core concept is amazing. Actually, they continue each episode where they actually finish it. It's just <laughs> brilliant. And the, the actors are, are amazing. I mean, the, um, Scotty played by uh, Chris, Chris Doohan, yeah. who, who was actually the son of um, James, James Doohan. James Doohan, yeah. And even Vic Mignone as Captain Kirk. I mean, all, with all due respect for Chris Pine, but actually I think Vic Mignone is much better as Kirk as, as Chris Pine. Yeah, I mean, like he, I, well, well, you you do get lost in, in, you know, I think Chris Pine definitely is is amazing because he has managed to uh, characterize the right things about William Shatner's performance as Kirk and then bring his own, you know, distinction to it. But but you're right; it feels like just from appearances and and even like cadence and and the way he he performs the. The role of Vic Mignon does seem like an older. Uh, it just seems correctly, you know, correctly placed. I found myself lost in the episodes. I even found myself like emotionally involved in the Star Trek Continue episodes I've seen so far. I've only seen a couple, but it, it's a it's so much more. You know, it's. I think uh, I forget who it was. Uh, it was either Rod Roddenberry or, or Adam Nimoy who said that, Star Trek Continues is continuing the very same spirit uh, that Gene Roddenberry, uh, you know, kind of uh, established. Uh, And and it it is. It's true. Like, the episode, uh, the very first episode with Apollo uh, was just like... That was a good episode. Yeah, exquisitely done. (laughs) That was really cool. That was was the first episode I watched. I watched that one, and um, the one with Sulu. Did you guys see that Uh, one? No, I haven't seen that one yet. There's Neither a transporter I. malfunction, and he gets... Sulu transports down... You know, the guy who plays him on Star Trek Continues goes down to the planet, but then when they beam him back up, he's older, and he's George Takei. George Takei! Oh, oh no, wow! No, no, wait, but that's, that's Phase 2, isn't it? Oh, is that that's Phase 2? Show. Yeah, because there's uh, two um, okay. original series fan show actually going on, and I think that's Phase oh, 2. Oh, crap. Okay, yeah. well, oh, no, I saw or, that or one. Or New Voyages, because they started as New Voyages and then Phase 2. Oh, well, I watched that one. That one was interesting, too. <laughs> well, that, that was cool, yeah. And even um, Walter Keeney was in one of the episodes in that one. Right, right. Well, you know what? Exploring the original era in fan projects like that, I think, is, is cool. Is wonderful, It's interesting, yeah. but I think the main line... Should go forward. Should go forward. And let yeah. the fans indulge in nostalgia and uh, episodes like the one where they sequel Who Mourns for... Ad- 
Oh, wow, look. Oh. There you go. Oh, my. <laughs> this wow. is like a priceless picture now. <laughs> yeah. Where was that? Uh, just in Birmingham, the last uh, Star Trek convention. Wow. He did Destination Star Trek Europe. where And yeah. so William Shatner, lots of people were there. Uh, William Shatner, George Takei, Walter Koenig. Walter Koenig, for instance. Did, did Nichelle, Nichol, <laughs> Nichelle yeah. Nichols. Yeah. No, Nichelle you, Nichols. I don't think Nichelle Nichols will do any more uh, conventions because of uh, uh, her, um, her health. health. Yeah. That's too sad. But yeah, um, we have we have a new captain on the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great! That's awesome. Wow! So uh, I'm gonna give a little plug to your channel. So if you guys, uh, the very few fans that we have on YouTube, but we <laughs> we also have a lot of we do have fans on podcasts that listen. Um, but everyone, head over to YouTube Trekker Prize. Uh, do a search for Trekker Prize, and what is that tapping? Oh, that's uh, fireworks outside. Uh. Oh, what's going on? Um, it's an Indian celebration. Don't ask me which one is oh, it because Diwali they have quite a lot. Maybe, maybe Diwali or um, it Mubarak, is Diwali. One of them. It is I don't Diwali. Know. <laughs> it's Diwali. Yeah. What is Diwali? It's a. It's like a. I don't know what it is specifically, but <laughs> but they were celebrating it here last night, and so really? that, that's pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I think it might be like New Year's. Really? Yeah, let's they, look they, at they, well, let's be kind of celebrating it for the whole week. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, an Indi- I, I'm uh, my, that's my heritage, and an Indian wedding uh, lasts for a week, so oh. it's no surprise Somebody that Diwali you know, wedding over here. I don't know. <laughs> it could be a wedding. No, but Diwali is actually going on, and according to the internet, oh, why didn't the wiki? Okay, Diwali. Let's see what it actually is, because we don't want to mislead anyone here. Yeah. So it is the Hindu Festival of Lights celebrated celebrated every year in autumn in the northern hemisphere. So Ooh. it's the Festival of Lights. And it's true. You you light your little Diwali. And in I think in India, um, they float like thousands of them down the. Uh, oh, down the, the river. Yeah. Mm. That's awesome. That's a much so. better note to go out on than any discussion of Samaritan snare. <laughs> <laughs> but um, to to wrap things up, uh, so Trekker Prize, visit the channel. And Doctor, if you want to see, I, I loved your coverage of Destination Star Trek. Oh, thank you. Um, and it's up there um, on your YouTube, and it's very cool. But Trekker Prize doesn't just focus on Star Trek. There's also Doctor Who and, like, just science fiction in general and, and general things that you love and, and want to talk about. And I, I think it's a very uh, delightful channel. You give me too much credit now. <laughs> no, well, there's, a very great, uh, there's a great episode on, um, what was it? Crap, what was it what I was telling you about, Sal? You, uh, you liked, I think, the Knight Rider episode you were no. telling me about, the Doctor Who. No. <laughs> I can't, I can't it remember. It was for all you. the different uh, spinoffs of Star Trek that never were. Oh, yeah. That's you, right? Is that you? No, I don't think that was him. Uh, That's I not you? I think that was me. No, I don't think. <laughs> I thought that was you. Doctor, no. you need more. Doctor, you need a. Somebody has a very similar a YouTube idea, channel actually. to yours. <laughs> That's a really Doctor, good idea. <laughs> 
Do one. That's going to be the next Trekker prize. Um, doctor, you're coming close to your regeneration cycle, and so your mind is uh, all over the place today. <laughs> <laughs> it is confusing. You uh, have a singular wit, Doctor. I do. It is confusing that um, these days we are uh, exposed to so much information, so I'm not surprised you're an old-fashioned kind of guy and... You know, there's no more there's no more delineation from one thing to the next uh, as there used to be. But uh, um, but yeah, uh, very excited to have you on. And we look forward to having you on in the future. This is a great discussion. I thought like uh, very lively and very, uh, very uh, spot on. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, it was my first uh, experience as I um, we discussed this before. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted and I'm looking forward to the next one. <laughs> Excellent. All right, there's nothing else. Nothing more to discuss, gentlemen. I think I'll uh, send us out on uh, on our episode here. Live long and prosper, and we'll see you Live next time. Live long and prosper. Oh.